Hi, I'm your host, Jun Won Park, and you're listening to When Stripes Collide, a podcast about intersectionality and diversity within the Korean diaspora. So please introduce yourself. Who are you and what do you do? Hi, everyone. Uh, my name is Albert Kim, and I'm a 27-year-old Korean-American living here in Seoul, South Korea. I originally grew up in uh, Anaheim Hills, California, and also spent uh, some years living in Northern Virginia. I'm a, I guess you can say I'm a freelance uh, media reporter type. I uh, used to work in the radio industry here in Seoul in English language broadcasting before um, I started branching off on my own and doing football analysis. Um, I've also appeared on Netflix um, as a tour guide for um, a documentary. Um, and I also dabble in film and TV work. Nice to meet everyone. So before we delve into you moving to Korea and why you moved to Korea, I want to talk about your early life in the United States. So you said already that you lived in California and in Virginia. And so tell me a little bit about your immigration background or your immigration history. So why did you live in the U.S. and how long were you there, basically? Yeah, so my parents were just original Koreans. They they grew up in Korea. They went to college here. They got married here. Um, but I think my mom's family, one of her aunts had moved to the United States in, I believe, uh, the 70s or the 80s just for a better life. And uh, the aunt was able to secure a green card for my mom's parents. And they were the ones who first moved to the States Um around like the 80s, 90s. And um, I spent, my parents were in Korea, but um, once I was born, uh, they had me in California. And then um, we moved straight back to Korea. And then after a few years in Korea, we, my mom said, hey, I want to go back to the States. And we went, went over. And I think the main impetus for immigrating was just uh, my mother wanting to be closer to her parents and also just wanting to um, kind of find a better life outside of Seoul, just because she had grown up in Korea for basically her whole life. And so were you in the U.S. until the age of 18 after you had moved back to the U.S.? Yeah, I moved when I was about three or four, and I stayed um, in the United States until I was basically 19. I uh, never even went to Korea once for vacation. I uh, had spent my basically entire life there, and uh, it was my sophomore year of college when I decided to to explore Korea or go back, we can say. So let's delve in a little bit deeper. So when did you move from California to Virginia? I moved uh, from California to Virginia when I was 12. My father, uh, who was running a business in California, got an opportunity to work uh, with the federal government. So he decided to pack up and move the family over to the East Coast and, um, I mean, it it was a tough transition, but there were still a lot of Korean Americans living in Virginia. I think the D.C. area is one of the top five locations for uh, for Kilpoz in America. So it wasn't exactly like a terrible place to move, but it was just different. Did you have a strong connection to the Korean American community in in California as well? Um, yeah, I mean, yeah, most of the connection was through church. Um, mm-hmm. I met a lot of good people through the church, uh, but did I have was my best friend Korean growing up? Not really. I think the fact that <clears throat> I was honestly a bit <clears throat> at times ashamed of being Korean uh, due to like some of the discrimination you face um, from Americans being Asian. So I, I, I kind of made a concentrated effort to make more friends outside of church who were um, of different races, whether you know it was my white friends or, or my African-American friends. So I can say I had Korean friends, but my closest friends are always of different uh, ethnicities and cultures. Would you say that you had a stronger connection to your Korean-American identity or a stronger connection to the Korean-American community in Virginia or in California? To be honest, I think my connection was stronger in California just because it's probably like the one state where like the Koreans live, like the most Koreans live. I I believe I think the first state Koreans moved to was Hawaii, if I'm not mistaken. But again, California Mm -hmm. is still one of those like OG areas for Koreans. Um, and I think I was um, a little more connected in that sense, just because in Virginia, um, there are Koreans there, but it, they're not, there's not as many. Um, and they're a bit more spaced out. Whereas in California, 
I think most pockets of Koreans are in like Orange County, right? Irvine, uh, Fullerton, those kind of areas. So. Mm-hmm. How might the Korean American community community differ between Virginia and California? And, and, you know, maybe not even in both of those states, because those states are, you know, very diverse and big, but yeah. um, maybe in the communities that you were living in, what was the difference yeah. between the two? No, yeah, that's a great question. I think um, in general, obviously, there are always case by case examples. But in general, I, I found uh, the Koreans in uh, Virginia on the East Coast just to be a little more uh, ambitious and driven. Uh, a little more into, um, you know, going to colleges and getting jobs where they would end up being accountants or, or dentists and doctors. Whereas I think the Kilpo's out in California were a little more free spirited, a little more relaxed and chill. Um, the ones I grew up with a decent amount, you know, kind of ventured off into different fields. Some of them became consultants and doctors, but some of them also became, uh, military veterans. Uh, some of them also became restaurant owners. Uh, some of them are pursuing careers in entertainment in Los Angeles. And I think this not only applies just to Koreans, but um, Americans in general. If I look at both coasts, it's just, just things seem to be a lot more chilled out on the West Coast, whereas people on the East Coast are a bit more uh, driven to to work that corporate life. So, Do you think that there's maybe a difference in the reason why Koreans might want to move to Virginia as opposed to California? I, I don't think most Koreans would rather, I think most Koreans would rather live in California than Virginia. Right. Um, so when you think about that, do you think that maybe the Koreans in Virginia might seem a little bit more motivated or are a little bit more motivated because there's more of a reason for them to be there? That That's, yeah, I think so. Absolutely. There's not as much stuff to do as compared to California because in California, there's a lot to do as you would know um, mm-hmm. living there. Um, so I think because it's a little more barren, you can say the the motivation to make money and get a nice house mm. is a lot higher. Whereas in California, you can just chill and, you know, on the beach and smoke a joint. <laughs> I'm not saying all Koreans <laughs> are like that, but like, you get what I'm saying? It's just like, right. analogy with sports too. It's just like in California, if you're a sports team, you have to win or else people will not come to the games because there's a lot of stuff to do mm-hmm. on the East coast in a place like Virginia. You'll probably always have fans come just because you're probably one of the main attractions. So. Right. Right. Now this is, probably tailing off into uncharted territory or territory that you didn't expect. But were you in Virginia around the time of the Virginia Tech shooting in 2007? No, that's a good question. No, actually, I came right after that. I came the okay. year after. So I was in California. But I can tell you, um, when I spoke to the Kilpo friends in Virginia who told me about what happened, um, they had some really f- sad stories, I think. Um, mm-hmm. One of my friends from church said he remembers the day of the shooting um and he said that at that time he walked into chipotle on his college campus and he said at the time when he walked in all the people inside started staring at him and he said some people started whispering that oh i think that guy's the shooter so it from what i heard it was a pretty sad time for a lot of kilpos it was um a time of discrimination and fear and i think um it's almost akin to kind of what the muslim american community went through um in new york after 9-11. So. so Koreans did face elevated discrimination in Virginia as a result of the shooting. Absolutely. A thousand percent. Mm-hmm. Uh, did you think about that when you were moving to Virginia or when you realized that you were going to move to Virginia? Did that ever come to your mind, the shooting and how it might affect you? Uh, no, the shooting, honestly, not really. Um, mm-hmm. I, I, I just knew that I was still staying in America, which meant that I was going to face discrimination no matter where I went as an Asian. Um, Mm -hmm. So I I didn't think about the shooting in particular. I just thought about, okay, crap, I have to go to a new school. I have to make new friends. Mm -hmm. And I have to do that with the burden of knowing that I'm an Asian man specifically. So Mm -hmm. that was kind of my mindset. And so this is the most blunt question that I wanted to ask you. But what did you like better? Did you like California better or Virginia better? Oh, California 100 times over. Um, Mm -hmm. And why is that? I just... I don't want to rag on Virginia too much. It's a good state. Um, it's a great place to raise your kids, and there's lots of jobs. But I think just I, I like warm weather. Um, I like the fact that the beach is 20 minutes away. I like the fact that there's a lot to do. Um, and I like the fact that the movie industry and media industry is concentrated in Los Angeles and Southern California. There's just more opportunities for me as a, as a professional um, actor, voice actor, and reporter just to get my hands dirty. Whereas in Virginia, it's, it's more limited, you know, it's more spaced out. It's the old country. It's it's the place where uh, the, the colonists lived, you know, back in the 18th century. Mm-hmm. So it's yeah. still 
there's still remnants of that and you still see it. And I think for me, one thing that I noticed was I actually found my, um, I did get seasonal depression moving to the East coast. Mm-hmm. I, I noticed my mood actually did get a lot worse in the fall and winter when uh, things got a lot darker. I see. Whereas in, in California, that never really happened. Of, of course, I, there were times when I was sad, but I didn't, I never noticed my mood changing with the weather, which is what happened when I moved out there. And Again, I don't want to give the impression it's like Minnesota or or <laughs> Nebraska, but uh-huh. I think if you ask a lot of Koreans living in Virginia where they would rather live, they would pick California. And I guess on a non-Korean note, I had a lot of uh, my high school friends in Virginia. A good number of them moved to California. None of them have ever come back. So, oh, wow. Yeah. So a lot of uh, personal backing of what you're saying about California being better. Yeah, maybe. yeah, yeah. yeah. It's, not just white pe- <laughs> it's not just Koreans. It's, it's white people. And, and, and my black friends so. right 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 um so i presume that you left virginia for college uh tell me a little bit about that yeah so i i went to arizona state uh and the only reason i really picked the school was because it was the closest school to california and the one that gave me the most money um mm. that's kind of how desperate i was to leave uh the east coast and i went there to play um college club hockey not at a high level, pretty low level, but I also went there to study film. And um, it wasn't California, but it was pretty damn close. It was still the wild, wild west. And I, I really enjoyed my time in Arizona. I spent about a year there. And um, uh, the best way I can describe it is it's kind of almost, it's it's almost a, like a dystopian suburb, suburb of California, if, if I can, <laughs> if that makes sense. Yeah. Arizona and Nevada are just California two and three, right? exactly little brothers or, or fraternal, maybe like fraternal twins fraternal yeah twins maybe. yeah yeah arizona is like california's more conservative brother exactly. blah 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 blah, blah. Exactly. <laughs> anyway so you went to arizona state and yeah. you studied abroad in korea what yeah. got you to study abroad in korea what might have motivated you to do that um to be honest i i enjoyed my time at arizona state but i still didn't feel like I was the main character of my own story. Um, and this is something I've talked with a lot of other Asian Americans who live in Asia about living in America. It's you always feel like a supporting character, no matter what kind of job you're interested in. It doesn't apply to just film. You know, you always feel like you're on the periphery or you're always uh, typecast into a certain role, even in a friend group. Um, and after a few incidents of discrimination um, that I had faced at school, I, I really got sick of you know, just being picked on for how I looked. And at the time I was watching a lot of Korean dramas and listening to a lot of Korean music and just discovering what it meant to be Korean and being more proud of myself. And I realized that there was a whole new world on the other side of the ocean. And that as someone entering his twenties, that it would be um, a shame and it wouldn't be right for me not to experience that world when I was still young. So what are some concrete examples of the discrimination that you faced? Uh, so this is one that stays with me for until today. I was um, at In-N-Out. <laughs> they have In-N-Out in Arizona with uh, one of my good friends. And, mm-hmm. uh, you know, he and I would always joke, make racial jokes to each other, but like just as friends. But um, there was another group of random people that we didn't know sitting next to us. Um, and they started a conversation with us and they started asking questions about, you know, where we're from, like our names. And when I mentioned that my last name was Kim, um, one of the girls in that group started making jokes about, uh, you know, North Korea. Are you from North or South? Do you eat dogs? And at one point in the conversation, she just said to me, Hey, she referred to me as, Hey, Kim Jong-un. And, um, I was with two friends at the time and they both thought it was hilarious. And they both, um, you know, as Americans do, um, did that reaction where they like, like stand up and they run like run across the, run across the room. It's, I don't know if you've seen it. It's hard to describe on a podcast, but have you seen like an NBA game where the bench reacts after like a huge dunk? It's the guys go yeah, up, yeah. they all stand up. It was like, <laughs> it was kind of like that. It was uh-huh. like, damn, you like, she roasted you. And um, I don't hold any will, ill will to those friends who reacted like that. But at that point, I, I knew I was done. That, that was kind of a breaking point where I was like, okay, like I really don't think people see me as human here. So despite all the problems that Korea may have, I think I'd like to go to a place where people don't judge me immediately based on the way I look. Right, right. And so was this commonplace when you were at Arizona State? And maybe if you could go back a little bit further, was this commonplace throughout your childhood? 
Yeah, it was. It was. Um, it didn't matter what state I lived in, California, mm-hmm. Virginia, um, and also at Arizona State. Unfortunately, I met a lot of people from the Midwest. Um, mm-hmm. You know, shout out to, I don't have a – maybe I do have a personal beef with the Midwest, actually. It's just – it seemed like pe- white people from certain states like Ohio – uh, you know, Wisconsin or Pennsylvania who didn't grow up around many Asians were were always the ones asking kind of the most hurtful, insulting questions, especially about my, my last name, um, um, my, in my family origin, uh, you know, the size of your penis, just, just basic stuff, you know, calling me Mr. Chow from the hangover. Um, I will say though, if I had to compare, honestly, I think the racism was definitely worse in Virginia and Arizona as compared to California, because in California still, it's impossible to live in that state without interacting with a bunch of Koreans. So mm-hmm. I think even the the racially prejudiced people in that state still had a sense of nuance, I guess, or a sense of understanding of the Korean culture just because they they, they knew Koreans in their personal life. Right, but right. that wasn't always the case in, in Virginia or Arizona. So. Mm-hmm. so you moved to Korea to study abroad during the middle of your sophomore year, correct? That's right. That was 2015. Um, and you said that you had no prior experiences with visiting Korea before then, correct? No, yeah. All I had was childhood memories of living as a kid. So, so what was that like, being in Korea for the first time? It was great. I fell in love right away. I was like, wow, where have I been my whole life? Um, again, I was starstruck in a sense, you know, the kind of honeymoon period, as you can say. Um, but... It was still so great being in a place where people wouldn't ask you questions that honestly were insulting, I guess. Mm-hmm. And uh, despite the fact that maybe I, I spoke in a manner that wasn't uh, akin to native Koreans, it, it, I still felt a sense of welcome, uh, a sense of belonging almost that I never had in America. Um, and, and that's hard to describe um, and hard to empathize with unless you're a minority, I think. It's, it's just something my white friends in America just never understood. So, And so what did you do during your time there? Were you, you know, focusing on classes or were you there for some, with, do, to do some sort of internship? What were you doing during your study abroad there? Oh, no, I was, I was taking classes. I wasn't paying attention much in class. I, I think the main reason to go there was to pursue a career in entertainment. So I mm. was uh, going on auditions to, you know, random uh... K-pop companies. I was, um, shooting like independent films uh, like in the background as a production assistant um doing all that kind of stuff and um it it wasn't you know it didn't turn out the way i exactly wanted but uh looking back those experiences made me who i am today and, and they definitely were valuable so because you were doing things related to film did that maybe affect your experience going to korea for the first time as a korean american especially relative to other korean americans who may not have been doing film you know who may who could have been in the same situation right um did film maybe impact your experience in any sort of way yeah it did um i learned that in all honesty the thing that sucks for korean americans i think is that we kind of have a double-edged sword um if you want to work in hollywood you're going to face a lot of discrimination uh, but the system in place there is good because it protects your rights. But if you want to work in Korea, the good thing is that you know they won't discriminate uh, based on your looks. But the system in place is terrible, and there's not many rights uh, for actors and writers and talent. So I think as a Korean American who works in, in media, you kind of have to almost pick your own poison if you want to um, to be successful. I think in both countries, and that's one thing I learned working in Korea. Um, so, so you were talking about how Korean Americans were facing a double-edged sword. Could you go into that a little bit further? Yeah. Well, I think for us, those places aren't exactly the most ideal. And again, this sounds like complaining, but it, but this is what I noticed working in film in Korea. So if you want to work in America as a Korean American, the really bad thing is that you're still going to get discriminated against. You're not going to get as many rules as your white or even black counterparts. But the good thing is the unions are there to protect you. The hours are more structured and people are more professional, especially in Los Angeles or Atlanta or whatever. Korea. The good thing here is that you look like Koreans. So if you speak the language well enough, they won't discriminate you based against your based on your looks and you'll get a lot of opportunities to appear on TV. The problem here is, though, the system is crap. Uh, the management companies abuse everyone at all times, even the top stars. And there's no one to protect, protect you. 
and also the kind of work you can do is limited to you know censorship or um the netizens trying to cancel somebody so i i think that for korean americans who especially the ones who work back and forth between both countries they're always trying to navigate these different nuances um of these different societies and i think that's one really crappy part about being um I guess I don't want to say half a, a citizen of both countries almost is that you get the benefits of both things, but you also take the really shitty parts of both things um, kind of um, just all at once, if that makes sense. And I think that rings especially true for Korean Americans who, you know, are, they, they have to, they struggle almost to find their own niche in both Hollywood and in Seoul. So. And so how long was your study abroad program? It was, uh, well, it depends on the students. So everyone had, um, on the school, it was either one semester or about a year. Um, yeah. And I think for me, I was supposed to leave actually after, um, about six months, but I ended up staying because I just felt like I couldn't leave. I didn't want to go back to school. Oh, wow. So I, so you didn't, did you end up graduating from Arizona State oh, no, still? I, I did. I, I was lucky enough to have the option of taking online classes, uh, the school, is big enough where they allow online courses. So I, I finished the last two and a half years on my computer. Wow. Yeah. Wow, wow, wow. And all the way in from Korea, basically, yeah, yeah. in a way different time zone. Yeah. So how did that work out? Um, well, you know, when I first graduated afterwards, I, I was kind of depressed because I felt like I'd wasted my, my college experience. Uh, but then now mm -hmm. looking back with hindsight, I think it was the best decision for me. I graduated with no debt. Um, I did a lot of crazy stuff here that I wouldn't have been able to do if I was in the classroom. Um, and I made lifelong memories and lifelong friends. And um, I am, you know, decently happy with the person I turned out to be. So, and, and, I, and I made an interesting experience. And, you know, talking with a lot of my friends back in Arizona State and talking to them when I was really depressed, a lot of them told me that they were jealous of me because they said, I, you didn't miss much when you didn't come back to campus, bro. It was the same thing you did in Korea, you know, studying on the computer and then going out to the bar and drinking when you turned 21. So all in all, I think, um, I don't want to say it was the right decision. I just think it was a decision I made and I, I'm okay. Uh, did you face any surprises or culture shock during those first few months that you were slated to be in Korea? So you said that you were maybe supposed to be there for a semester, which is around six months. Yeah. So let's say during those first six months, was there anything that really caught you by surprise? Um, sure. I just think uh, I still had a problem differentiating some of the words you use when Koreans use panmar and chundenmar. For English listeners, that's just the difference. Uh, the different ways Koreans speak to um, their friends and elders or coworkers. Um, so... I really did struggle with that. I made a lot of mistakes, some embarrassing mistakes, um, but I learned. Um, maybe some other culture shocks was just the lack of personal space on public transportation. Um, honestly, how rude some Koreans can really be. Um, but I think those were two of the biggest things that I struggled with. And I, and I honestly still kind of struggle with somewhat today as an adult who's lived here for a long time now. And you talk a little bit about your language situation did you face any difficulties as a result of your grasp of the Korean language? Yeah, I mean, I honestly, growing up, Korean was my first language, but I forgot a lot of it when I started school in the States. So mm -hmm. I was starting um, from basically scratch when I came back as an adult. And I think the first few years were rough, but I, I really think um, making Korean friends, uh, dating Korean girls helped as well. And now it's in a much better place. I, I think I speak, definitely speak better than most uh, Korean Americans, but um, it, it, it's something that takes time. And it's something that's just a real process. I, th I think honestly, the best way for me to improve was just to to, to be in social settings with Koreans, um, make mistakes and, you know, analyze those mistakes and remember them and not do it them again. So let's go back a little bit so were you speaking korean every day in your early life like with your family were you just speaking conversational korean with them yeah because my parents when they first moved to the united states they didn't speak english that well so i had no choice but mm -hmm. to speak korean at home so so you being in korea now and having practiced your korean language skills even further would you say that you're fluent in korean yeah i'm fluent uh, i'll never be a native speaker just because i my education mm -hmm. was was spent in the states but i'm fluent i can file my taxes um <laughs> i can talk you can do all the technical stuff yeah absolutely there's no problems i can 
um, mm-hmm. you know, fix my health insurance if necessary. I can, you know, order stuff online. It's just, um, I think some of like the more harder things that I'll always have a hard time with is like scientific terms, you know, like research papers, uh... um, those kinds of things are way, way out of my, um, expertise. I will say though, once in a while you do meet a Kyopo out here who's like freakishly good at Korean, like perfect. But those mm-hmm. are very rare. I think one example um, of a Korean who's really good at English is uh, Brian Ju. He's a bit of an older uh, celebrity. He was a singer in Fly to the Sky. He's, I think he's originally from New Jersey, but he came out here when he was in high school or early college. And he's like one hes like one rare example of a Korean-American who speaks basically with no accent in his Korean. Um, other Kilpo celebrities like Eric Nam and Jay Park, quite good at Korean, but there's still a bit of an accent that I hear. Brian is probably one guy that doesn't speak with much of an accent in Korean. So during your first few years in Korea, were native Koreans able to pick up on the fact that you probably weren't from Korea or just hadn't ever lived there before? A thousand percent. Especially, yeah, especially based on your grasp of the Korean language. A thousand percent, because I was speaking the right words most of the time but um like like i said the pronunciation the padam as we say was not mm-hmm. at all where a native korean speakers should be i think now i lived here for about eight years it's i don't think most koreans would be able to tell until we get into more uh complex conversations until we would sit down one-on-one together and, and talk about different things um but yeah in the beginning for sure like even ordering a coffee i'm sure they could tell like (laughs) i couldn't i wasn't from the country originally now could they tell that you were from america specifically or could they just tell that you were a foreigner i I think most of the time they can tell because i look korean so i think they just all assumed i was from america because most of the kyopos are from america anyway so Mm -hmm. i see and so did what about your mannerisms did anything about your mannerisms or the way you came off uh, especially when it came to body language, give off the fact va- oh, wow. that you were not from Korea. Absolutely, I'm, I'm glad you mentioned that. Just, I think the way Korean Americans react, even in conversation, is a lot different. You know, when we talk with our friends and they say something interesting, like "Oh, really?" or "Oh, man, that's dope." Whereas in Korea, mm-hmm. um, I think if you're having a conversation with native Koreans, like you don't react as much. You kind of pick and choose different moments to react. Um, so that that definitely gave it off. And I, I think I remember whether it was my nurse in physical therapy who said that she could tell based off my reactions that I was Korean American, but it was somebody that wasn't even like a close friend who, who told me that, which is interesting. It was cool. Now you said that you faced less discrimination being in Korea, you know, because of your appearance, because, you know, you, you are Korean ethnically, but did those little differences ever, you know, open up to, uh, you know, doors to people discriminating you, you know, your mannerisms, your grasp of the Korean language, did that ever yeah, yeah. single you out in any sort of way? I mean, absolutely. There were times when some Koreans would poke fun at my pronunciation or a mistake I made in my grammar or vocabulary. Um, but it was never something that would they would push continuously. Whereas in America with other people, it's like a like recurring joke almost that comes up if you're Asian. Um I think here it was just more of a one-time thing. doesn't mean it felt good. and doesn't mean it was right, but it wasn't as constant. And if I kept my head down and blended in well enough, most Koreans just treat me as a, just as another, another friend, another person. Um, So despite the fact that you basically are a foreigner to Korea still in many ways, you face less discrimination or you currently face less discrimination in Korea than you did in America. A thousand percent. And I think the fact that I speak English almost helps. Um, If people don't know Koreans, the way they discriminate is a bit different. I think in general, they Mm -hmm. have a positive view of Korean Americans and Korean Canadians and Korean Australians. Usually the biggest discrimination they, 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 they project is onto Korean Chinese. So Chinese kyopos, right? Like, Mm-hmm. ethnic yeah, yeah. koreans who live in china and come back here because they associate them with crime drugs and all that which is wrong because not all of them are like that but that's kind of the kill group that faces the most discrimination here mm-hmm. and why is that let's delve into that, into that a little bit so why are the korean chinese so discriminated compared to other Kyopo yeah. groups? what's ironic in my opinion they speak the best korean out of all the Kyopo groups um 
But I think the reason they are discriminated against honestly has a lot to do with, um, you know, incidents that we've seen in the news, um, especially in the Taedimdong neighborhood of Seoul, which is a, a neighborhood where a lot of Chinese ex like Koreans live. Um, there's also been a few movies about, you know, Korean Chinese gangsters, how they're only here to, to you know, brutally uh, sexually assault Korean women and make money. It's just it, it's it's a form of xenophobia, I think, for sure. And it's also a form of anti-Chinese bias, I think, just because um, that's the kind of times we've been living in. But it, it's just different because I also think that Koreans have always viewed um, places like America and Australia as, you know, uh, friendly countries that helped Korea develop, especially during the Korean War. But then when they think of China, you know, you think of an adversary, an ally of North Korea, um, and you mix that in with uh, the image of being, you know, gangsterish or thuggish. I just think it creates the perfect, the, a bad combination um, for Chinese Koreans to be the most discriminated against. And so let's talk about Korean Americans specifically. So Korean Americans in Korea, at the end of the day, are they treated more like foreigners or are they treated more like Koreans by native Koreans? Again, that depends on how well you speak the language and how you behave. Okay. Um, I've met, okay. yeah, I met some Korean American youngs living here that are complete chameleons and you would not guess they were from the States until they spoke in English. And then you meet some other Kyopo youngs who wear their baseball cap hats backward with their sleeve tattoos, <laughs> you know, very LA style, those hard youngs. And you tell right away, okay, I know where you're from. Um, yeah. So it, it depends for me. I think, um, I, I mean, I have a little bit of a tan, but I still look mostly Korean. So I, they, mm -hmm. most people don't guess that I'm Kyopo until I tell them or, or they notice a little right, right. pronunciation thing. Yeah. So. All right, right, right. But what about Korean Chinese? Would they be treated more as foreigners or would they be treated more as Korean? Would there be less of a nuance that Korean Americans get? Let's, let's frame it that way. Yeah, absolutely. No, the Korean Chinese would be treated more as foreigners. They just view them as Chinese. Mm -hmm. They just view them as Chinese. Mm -hmm. um, in oh, fact, wow. I, I think the most the one thing I noticed that's interesting is that a lot of the Chinese restaurants in Seoul are run by Korean Chinese expats. So uh -huh. they're all kyopos who run it. And I think most Koreans just view them as um, cultural Chinese people who just happen to have Korean blood. Mm -hmm. yeah. So... That's kind of interesting because in Korea, there's still this very prominent concept of the idea of Koreans being from, you know, regardless of where they live in the world, they're all connected by, you know, a shared ancestry, you know, being pure-blooded, you yeah. know, being of one race. Yeah. Um, but obviously, <laughs> some people or some groups are not as well-versed in that concept of race yeah. as other groups, right? So yeah. you would maybe say that Korean Chinese are more ostracized than, let's say, Korean Americans. Would that be correct? Absolutely. Absolutely. Mm -hmm. um, I think, again, like I said before, it's just the fact that, you know, the geopolitical um, nuances are, are just different. You know, America and Australia and Canada have a positive image in Korea, whereas China, not so much. And I just think people feed what they um, see into the media, into their own personal views. And that's kind of what causes a lot of these Chinese Korean people um, to be ostracized. Um, you know, I, I will say, uh, yeah, I mean, I mean, there's not much to say. It's it just the way it is. It, it is the way it is. And um, I don't know what they could do to change that image, really. Um, and you do feel bad for them, certainly. So. What are some other Gyopo groups that face a unique sort of treatment, whether it's good or bad, that we haven't talked about yet? I think half Koreans. Um, half Koreans. There's a lot of half Koreans in Korea now, actually. Mm -hmm. um, a yeah. lot of them, most of them, I think, grow up in the United States or Europe, and they come here as adults during exchange to to mm -hmm. you know to study for a semester. Um, I have a few half korean male friends um and their problem is that for you know for the sake of being too blunt um they're very popular with korean women um they really don't have any <laughs> they don't have any problems dating but um i think that a lot of these korean girls also expect these half korean guys to to 
have the same mindsets as full Korean guys or Korean guys who live their whole lives here. And yeah. I noticed that causes a big problem. When I've talked to my half Korean friend, who's like one of my best friends here, he's always struggling with that, um, with that expectation. And I even think that applies to Kyopas as well. Cause even as a full Korean quote unquote, full Korean, whatever that means, that mm-hmm. it's something that I've struggled with as well in, in, you know, interpersonal relationships with Koreans here. So now, when you say half Korean, usually that entails half white and half Korean, right? Yeah, and yeah, they're definitely fetishized in a way. It's like a Korean, okay. a Korean girl will see that because you know top stars like Daniel Henny, right? Insanely handsome. That's kind of like the yeah, yeah, the model of a Korean Ameri- a Korean half Korean half white guy. So there's definitely that that there's definitely that dynamic going on. But I mean, it's not necessarily a bad thing. It's just something that I noticed mm-hmm. that goes on here. Now, the now half black and half Korean mm-hmm. biracial people are you know less prevalent than half white half Korean biracial people, but based on what you know, how what's the difference between the way they're treated? Um, I mean, the half black half Korean kids are treated worse. I just think absolutely yeah. The darker you are in what in most societies, the worse you're treated. Um, mm-hmm. I, I think. One of my friends here, actually, I won't say her name, but she's half Korean, half black, but she's also mm-hmm. um, a member of the LGBT community, which makes her like a double minority. And mm-hmm. yeah, I think she told me um, in Korea sometimes, you know, even though she's half Korean, people would go up to her and ask where she's from and say, oh, my God, your hair is so is so different or so pretty. Like, can I touch it or can I put stuff in it? And I, I think that's some of the stuff they face a lot in terms of like fashion, because this there's not a lot of Koreans here who can like understand their needs i guess or cater to like what they need and and that's also a big um problem for half black half korean kids just because they also just look so physically different than most um half korean people and that's something that they really struggle with and i would say for sure it's much better to be a half white half korean kid in a school than it is to be a half black half korean kid in korea in general maybe a thousand percent a thousand percent and we're gonna i'm definitely gonna touch upon that in a future episode because i know that there's someone i know personally that would love to come onto this show uh he's half black half korean so for those listening please stay tuned for that um we're definitely going to touch upon the concept of or the experience of someone who's half black and half korean and their unique biracial identity with that being said i want to ask you one final question about this sort of topic mm-hmm. of all the Gyopo groups and, you know, how they're treated as foreigners. Um, are are foreigners in general treated better or are Gyopos treated better in Korea? Um, I would still say that Gyopos are treated better. There is Really? There, just because they have, ha, they're Korean ethnically? Yeah, because they're... Just they, because yeah. a lot of them can speak Korean? No, what are the reasons for that? Just because they're ethnically Korean. I, I Listen, mm-hmm. I'm not going to deny that there are some nice parts of being white in Korea. Like, you get some, like, passes and cards. Like, there is such thing as a white boy, white girl privilege here. But um, they still do face a lot of discrimination just based on the fact they look different. So whether they're speaking English... Like out in public, you see a lot of people telling them to shut up. Whereas, whereas they don't really do that as much to Koreans who speak English. They just view you as mm-hmm. maybe someone really smart or maybe someone mm-hmm. who. Yeah, yeah. Um, so they face that, and they also face the fact that a lot of nightlife establishments won't let them in um, just because they're white. Uh, yeah. I mean, Americans don't really face that. If you show them your ID card and it says Kyopo on it, they'll just say, oh, well, can you speak a little Korean? And if you say yes, most of them will wave you in. So I think. It's still better to be a Kyopo here than it is to be a white person. And I guess to wrap up my own statement, I realized here, despite how sad it is, it really is nice to be a racial majority in the place you're living. It makes life a lot easier. And so I wanted to talk about your connection to the Kyopo identity. So... Uh, what does that word mean to you? And what do you feel, you know, what is the connotation of that word in Korea? Does it usually have a negative connotation, a positive connotation? Or de- like, as we've touched on before, does it depend on what kind of Gyopo group that we're talking about? I think the connotation depends on what the Korean person who's making that connotation, what kind of view they're coming from, if that makes sense. Um, but in general, I think that 
most Koreans associate the Kyopos with what they see in the media again. You know, guys like Jay Park, um, Eric Nam. You know, those are two of like the most common different examples of Kyopos they they believe. You know, a little more open, mm-hmm. a little more they say American style here, I guess. Yeah, a little more Western thinking. Um, that that's the main thing they think. They just think that yes, we're Korean, but we probably have a different mindset, and that we just don't exactly understand everything about them which is why um a lot of them will still also never see us as as real koreans i guess just because also Mm. especially for the men if you don't go to the military that's another big thing so now not being seen as real koreans but then for the most part you said that koreans who live in western countries are seen as smart maybe uh so you know is there like a double-edged sword with the fact that Gyopols, especially from Western countries, aren't really seen as real Koreans, but they're seen also as maybe as kind of a Korean 2.0 in that yeah. sort of sense? Is there that sort of double-edged sword, you think? There is. It basically means that you don't really fit in anywhere. You're not exactly at mm-hmm. home in America. And you're not home in Korea. So mm-hmm. it gets lonely at times, for sure. Um, but if you focus only on that, that's what you know makes you crazy. So you really have to focus on the positives of of being a Korean American, whether you're in Korea or whether you're in America. Mm-hmm. And so I, I want to, I, I just want to talk about that concept a little bit more. The idea of Gyopos, especially from Western countries being smart, where does that stem from? Is it just due to the fact that they can speak English or are Koreans or are native Koreans aware of the fact that Koreans living abroad, especially in places like the U.S. and Canada, might be there for, you know, some very highly skilled professional reasons or academic reasons. I think a lot of them just view the ones that were able to move abroad as lucky or, you know, financially well off enough to, to afford the cost of moving. So they, 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 mm-hmm. they kind of do assume that there is some affluence behind it, um, mm-hmm. even though that's not always true. But mm-hmm. in a sense, you can almost say the ones who do make it out are lucky because it is very hard to to make enough money to leave. So I just think that's where it comes from. Just the fact that, mm-hmm. you know, they call it hell chosen. A lot of people do want to leave. And the ones, uh, that do, okay. the, the ones that do make it out are just seen as the ones that made it. Maybe they're a little smarter or more resourceful. So I wanted to talk to you also about your possible reconnection to your korean identity so do you feel maybe more korean as a result of you moving to korea yeah absolutely there's some things that i absolutely believe korea does a lot better than america and that whenever i go back to visit the states i i talk about with my american friends and i tell them well we do this we do this uh, a certain way in korean i really think it's better and i really think america should adopt it um but in some ways i'm also still very american uh I don't, I don't think the core of who I am as a person has changed. It's just I've um, been able to kind of digest what both cultures and societies do well and try to take the most, the best parts of that into, into what I believe. And so let's talk about the strength of your connection to your Korean and American identities. So as of right now, do you maybe feel more Korean or do you feel more American, even though you say that you take a mix of both your experiences in Korea and America? Um, do you feel like one identity is stronger than the other? No, I really don't. Um, mm-hmm. it, the word Korean American really just defines who I am. I'm, I'm literally neither one or the other. Not Neither side mm-hmm. is more powerful than the other. Um, it's almost like a bipolar situation, a little Harvey Two-Face thing going on. But I, I think it really is split evenly down the middle because like I said before, um, still to many Americans, I'm not American enough. I'm not white enough, and to many Koreans, I'm still not Korean enough in terms of the way I think and the culture that I was raised in. So you left with this duality, I think, two sides of a coin, and neither one is is bigger or or darker or brighter than the other. Now, do you see yourself staying in Korea for the long term since you say you're so comfortable with not having to face so much discrimination? Or do you maybe see yourself moving to America again in the future, especially in relation to what you do in film or media mm-hmm. or radio journalism, that sort of field? Yeah, no, I, uh, I've i always enjoyed going back and forth. I think my ideal world would be a, 
um, a place where I could do a certain project in Korea for a few months and then take a plane over to the States and work there for a bit and then just go jump back and forth. Um, now that I've lived in both countries long enough, I realize that they both have some massive, massive issues that make living very hard. Um, and it just makes them different. It doesn't really make one better than the other. It really depends on your situation. And I think for my situation and knowing my personality, I, I would like just to be able to move back and forth. Um, kind of like what Daniel Henney does, you know, he shoots a film here yeah. and then he goes back to the States and does a TV show here in the States. And then he comes back again. That's, mm-hmm. that dude's kind of living my model, like ideal life at the moment. <laughs> um, and what about, you know, when it comes to thinking about all of the experiences that you've had in America and in Korea and the fact that you're combining them and really trying to learn as much as you can from both of them, what is the kind of advice that you'd like to give to Korean Americans who may be looking into moving to Korea at one point or another? Do it. That's all I do it. I, I honestly think that, again, people can say I'm crazy for this, but I, I honestly feel bad for my Korean American brothers and sisters who have never spent a good portion of their adult life in Korea. Um, they've only seen what America has to offer to them. And at many times, unless you're living in California or New York, what America has to offer to you can be quite ugly and dark, in my opinion. And I think it would be nice if they could come to Seoul, um, you know, go out and party, make relationships, make new friends, do new things here, and realize that there's a whole new world out here where you can be accepted for, for who you are and not, you know, be the butt of a joke doesn't mean it's better to live here for that person i just want i just what i'm trying to say is that i just wish that they would be able to expand their horizons a bit and realize what they're experiencing in america or canada or wherever isn't what the world has to offer to you and that you should come to asia back to the homeland and see what it's like here so you can make a better choice um, for your own happiness as to where you want to live long term now i've been gradually getting to this sort of conclusion But it sounds like to me that a big reason for you moving to Korea as opposed to staying in America after college was because you didn't really see a big future in America in the fields that you were interested in. So you decided to move to a country where you feel like you could pursue your passions. Is that correct? Yeah, absolutely. And ironically, I think in the past few years, we've seen a lot more progress being made in in Hollywood for Asian Americans, but we're still not at a point where I could safely say, you know, we've permanently ascended or we're permanently at a point where we can say that Asian Americans will have a prominent voice to play in in the media world. Um, who knows if this is just a passing fad, um, you know, a product of, you know, wokeism or cancel culture or whatever. And I don't say those things in a derisive, in a derisive way. I'm just saying that's the way things are in its current environment. So um, I am, you know, buoyed by the the, the progress we've made, but um, I want to see or not whether this lasts, and I hope it does, and I think it will, but that could always change, I think. And so let's go back a little bit. Growing up, uh, you obviously had this sort of burgeoning interest in film and media. Did you feel maybe different as a Korean-American because of, because of your interest in those sorts of things? Yeah, I did, absolutely. Um, most Korean Americans that I know don't work in those fields. But I think the ironic thing is after talking to many other Korean Americans one-on-one, a lot of them do have those creative aspirations. Either never act on them or never tell their parents because it's so taboo, especially in an immigrant society to, to want to do anything other than a corporate, you know, safe job. So, excuse me. I think that's something that's really sad in a way. Um, but things are changing now and you're seeing a lot more uh, Asian Americans trying to make it in the arts. And I think that's a fantastic thing. What's your advice to Korean Americans who are looking into doing something in the entertainment industry, whether it's in Korea or America, Mm -hmm. what is some advice that you'd like to give them? I think my advice would be don't just hang out with only Asian people. (laughs) Um, (laughs) 
this is a criticism, but I, I feel like too many Asian Americans, not just Korean Americans, only are comfortable hanging out with other Asian Americans, especially in a place like California. Mm-hmm. Be uncomfortable. Talk to white people. Talk to African Americans. Talk to your Latino friends. Be a part of different communities and have conversations and make connections because at the end of the day, if you do want to make it entertainment, there's not a lot of Asian executives making those decisions. There's people of other races and cultures that are going to have to help you. So the more friends you make that are diverse, the better your chances of you uh, will be of making it in a, in a very harsh industry. Uh, yeah. So what are you currently working on and what are you looking into working on in the next year or so? Yeah, so uh, focused mostly on football-related stuff due to the World Cup happening a few months ago. But I think this year I've tried to focus more on my film stuff. Um, I've been um, in a play a few months ago out in Seoul. Um, been trying to work on you know a script that I've been writing and also collaborating with some of my other couple uh, friends who work in entertainment here. Um, and looking to get back into you know auditioning more and putting um, my kind of acting content out there on YouTube or wherever. Um, I think that's kind of my goal for 2023 is do more of that because I did a lot of reporting and journalistic stuff, but I really think this year I really want to, to focus more on um, the acting and also, you know, my own personal YouTube channel and, and uh, just getting my face out there instead of just my words or my um, voice. Is there anything that you wanted to talk about that we didn't get to talk about today? Um, yeah, I think one thing, um, I would like to tell Korean Americans who maybe have a little bit of a disconnect with their own parents, um, you know, fighting different cultural differences. Um, this is kind of different, but don't listen to them. (laughs) Um, (laughs) and I don't mean to listen to them as in tell them that they're idiots or that they don't know what they're talking about, but I just, I really feel like especially after living here, you know, your parents come from a completely different generation. Um, They probably grew up in Korea. They don't have as good of an impression of the country um, as other people because they they wanted to escape. Um, I want Korean Americans, especially younger ones, to have a more open mind about, you know, certain topics that were seen as either taboo or just, you know, established. As in, like, it's established that living in Korea sucks and Korean Americans shouldn't go there. No, living here can be great depending on what you do and and what you want. So I want you guys to be more open and challenge these theories that you, that you hear from not just your parents, but in the church, which is another big part of the Korean American community. Just be your own person in a way, and don't be afraid to ask these questions. Thanks for listening to this episode of When Stripes Collide. Stay tuned for more.